SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. Hashtag health on Monday. You know the drill now. That's where we are at. And the last time Dr. Sophia Sadiq was on this platform, it was on a Tuesday because she was guest to Ambassador Lana Marx. Of course, Sophia is a U.S. Embassy's representative in the health space. Specifically, she's the health attache. And soon enough, we'll be joined by Dr. Glenda Gray, who is the CEO of the South African Medical Research Council. And the conversation of this evening for this purpose is the relations between the United States and this country, the RSA, Republic of South Africa, on COVID-19 vaccine research and related collaborations. So without necessarily engaging questions, let's just get an overview as to exactly where we are in the Biden Ramaphosa administrations as we look to tackle a global pandemic. Good evening, Sophia. Good evening, Sangeza. Well, talk to us. The new administration certainly is on... Yeah, they are on full throttle insofar as it relates to vaccinating Americans. At last count, some 165 million. So... Joe Biden is doing well. He had initially said 100 million. Now his target has doubled to 200 million, and he's well on course. Yes, he is. Um, And first of all, Sengezo, thank you very much for having me back on your show. Um, You're very right. I mean, the United States as a country has suffered over half a million deaths, as I think you and others know. So we truly are focused in many ways on ensuring that we are able to handle the pandemic in the United States. However, um, there is a strong commitment to work with the global community on equitable vaccine access. Um, And specifically to your point around our collaboration with South Africa, I think our countries have had a very strong partnership and collaboration in science and biomedical research. And together we've proactively and productively addressed many specific areas in public health. So it's no surprise that we come together um, when there is the need to look for a vaccine to get us out of this pandemic. I think the trial I would really point to, and I know that Dr. Gray can speak to as well, is our partnership on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine trial, um, which was supported by our two countries and our researchers. And uh, we leverage the tremendous partnership and resources that we have built mutually over decades to execute this trial. And we can see that the results are paying dividends for both our countries right now, Mm. um, as well as the global community. You talked earlier on about the equitable vaccine distribution, and I think this is a point that probably does merit a, a, a further discussion. On another day, we could go, but I mean, at least for now, there is this concern that the nations with the financial muscle have taken a lot of the vaccines that are available on market to themselves, disproportionate to the need. In fact, less than 1% of vaccines have gone out to persons in the developed world, and the opposite is true. We're talking about in excess of 90% to the developed world. 
surely this is a concern and should be a concern for as much as the developing countries as well as the developed countries because it speaks to certain stereotypes as what we have come to expect, as it were, from the global north and the global south relations. Absolutely. And I um, want to emphasize that um, if you look back at the first day in office for President Biden, he uh, immediately re-engaged with the WHO. And this is this came from this specific um, concern as well as the understanding that we are all in this together. No one country is going to get through this without all of us getting through it. Um, and a safer world for all must be the ultimate goal to strive for. Um, it is also um, now, I hope, well known that the United States is providing uh, most of, uh, a large part of the funding for COVAX of any other country in the world. Um, so we are right, trying to work through multilateral forums. And at this time, um, we have already made a commitment of $2 billion for advanced market commitment for low and middle income economies. And we continue um, to pledge another $2 billion and hope to ra- help also assist raise funding for COVAX because we believe that we must work through these multilateral platforms um, and, and work towards access. So I think you will see a lot more happening in this space soon. Let's bring in then Dr. Glenda Gray, the CEO of the South African Medical Research Council. Hmm. Money that is pledged or resources that are pledged are not resources where they are required for distribution for the purpose by which they would ultimately be sourced. South Africans and South Africa generally ought to be concerned at the rate at which things are going, certainly in terms of how it was sold and the reality of the Johnson & Johnson vaccines in that it's actually a trial or a study, not so much a vaccine rollout program in the country. Do you want to clear the air for the air for us, please, Glenda, and just let South Africans know precisely what it is that is going on with the vaccine rollout stroke study. Okay, I think we never ever said it was a rollout. We said this was the first part of a a vaccine expansion. I'm referring to the government, not necessarily the research council. Yeah, so so I think we we always explain that that the Sasanke study was a phase 3B open label study. And this um, this is a, a a study where we evaluate the real-world effectiveness of a vaccine that has been found to be effective. And so I think you need to understand um, um, the, this program evaluates a real vaccine that's found to be effective, and uh, we evaluate it at a time when um, this vaccine was not registered for use anywhere. So we were, there were, there, in, 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 once you know a vaccine works, there's a hiatus between a vaccine working and it's been registered for commercial use. And so we used this time. South Africa could have waited 12 weeks to get the vaccine registered or it could have used the vaccine um, under research conditions. And by using this vaccine under research conditions, we were able to give vaccines to more than, now more than a quarter of a million healthcare workers. So we, instead of waiting to do this, we were able to, to do it immediately. And it's very important for this program to have worked because, first of all, it's given us real-life experience with um, the J&J vaccine at scale. It's helped us to understand the safety of this vaccine in in our in South Africa, and has helped us to 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 learn how to manage a rollout program. And so, there are many benefits of doing the Sasanke study. 
that not only um, are to do with the vaccine, but are to do with the electronic vaccine data system, as well as as knowing how to go to scale and as understanding some of the limitations and some of the, the challenges that we will face when we when we go into the the, the full on rollout of. Um, of of the vaccine program in South Africa. What has the study so far revealed and what is the response insofar as it relates to the efficiency of the vaccine in terms of the recovery of those who have been injected? Well, first of all, we've, we've learned this, the expanded safety. So before we rolled out the, a quarter, this vaccine to a quarter of a million people, we only had safety information on around 20 to 30,000 people. And so we've been able to expand the safety profile of this vaccine and, and understand it better. So um, now more than 250,000 people have got this vaccine. And so what we've been able to contribute at a global level is to the safety of this. We've also been able to um, follow up healthcare workers that have that have had the vaccine. And we also we also at this stage um, evaluating the effectiveness of the vaccine and um, if there are any breakthrough infections. So we will be able to know critically how effective this vaccine has been over time. Obviously, our, our healthcare workers are being vaccinated. We are following them up to see if there have been any breakthrough infections and any side effects um, of the vaccine. So so um, as we'll be following up vac- these participants for over two years now, over for over two years in the future, so we'll be able to get long-term safety um, of, these, of the healthcare workers with the vaccine um, and be able to work out exactly um, the impact of the vaccine on on viral escape and whether the vaccine puts pressure on the virus in any way that that will mean we might have to alter the vaccination program. How would the and and whoever wishes to respond may how, how would the response be to this and a positive phrase? South Africans are being used as guinea pigs. Well, they're not being used as guinea pigs. So this is an active vaccine. We know that it works. So I don't understand where the where is the experimentation? Um, usually when, so, you know, I don't understand why you would say that they, you've been used as guinea pigs. We know that the vaccine works. So uh, where is the experimentation? No, I'm saying that because I said if it were to be posited and on the basis that I know somebody who took a shot has now had two veins burst in one's mouth, has no full use of one's face. And this happening in this study. That's why I'm saying that. So I'm referring to a lived experience and how that en masse could be interpreted as how South Africans in this instance are being used as guinea pigs. Just repeat what you just said. I couldn't hear what you I was said. basing that posit on something I know as factual. And on the basis of that, knowing that this is still a study more than it is a rollout, which it isn't. How then would the institutions respond to that? What what was the side effect? I could not hear. Let's take calls. Aisha and Uppington. Aisha, please turn your for a radio. Yes, yes, I am with you. Good evening, Doctor Gray. Um, I would just like to know by you what is the efficiency rate on this J and J vaccine. So we've known in, so the, we know that the vaccine has been found to be um, effective, a sixty-seven percent effective in South Africa, and against a severe and critical disease, we found it 
to have been 87% okay. effective. Then, then my next question to you is that this, 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 this virus is mutating, right? The virus does mutate over time at a global level, yes, correct. No, no, I'm talking about South Africa specific. I want to give you something. Um, to this morning, uh, I heard some other doctor, and he said that some people came from Tanzania and they discovered that, that the virus mutated 10 times. Um, so if this virus is mutating in the person's body, so so then the, uh, then the solution is simple. You you you've got to look at the person and the context and what the medicine in the area is. That's all that I want to tell you. Okay. Do you want to respond, please, Dr. Glenda Gray, to the extent that you can to Aisha's comments? Yeah, so I think there are two parts of managing COVID. One is the therapeutics and one is the prevention. And I think what um, the... the, the um, I think the important thing is to say what, where have we evolved in terms of therapeutics and um, where, where are the treatments for, for COVID, um, not the prevention of COVID as in vaccines. And obviously there has been um, limited advancements made in, in therapeutics and, and hopefully this year we'll see a lot more um, advances made in terms of, of treating um, the virus when you have it. And hopefully we will see um, new ant- monoclonal antibodies and other other antiviral treatments that will come on board to help us besides just using oxygen and dexamethasone. Let's go back to Sophia, who is the health attaché for the U.S. Embassy based in the country, Dr. Sophia Sadiq, that is. Doc, let's talk specifically as to the exchange between the United States and the Republic of South Africa. What is coming from the United States, be it physical or incorporeal, to South Africa and vice versa? What are the exchanges across the Atlantic in real terms? Thank you, Sergeza, for that question. Um, So I um, can highlight to you some of the things that we've been working on together. And I I reiterate the fact that, you know, COVID-19 is not something or this pandemic is not something that we are all going to face alone. We will learn from each other along the way. And that is part of the exchanges that we have. So um, when the, the pandemic first came to South Africa and since then, we've been working very closely with our counterparts, both in the Department of Health and in research on on two very specific aspects. And one is that we have to respond to what is happening in real time and prevent infections as well as save lives. And that has been a very major focus of our work together. Um, Ever since the beginning of the response here, uh, which started, I think, with the door-to-door screenings, we have worked alongside our counterparts to... um, provide the support for that screening through um, one of our programs that has been very um, operative here, which is the PEPFAR program. We've also worked with our partners to strengthen the surveillance, um, which is a very critical activity, as, as you will understand, so that data is available to guide important decisions on containment and response. Um, additionally, we've also worked um, and, and uh, side by side and, and provided technical resources and technical advisors where that was 
appropriate and helpful um, to assist in the planning and preparation phases. Um, there's also been a lot of, uh, despite the challenges in the United States, um, provision of the necessary uh, supplies for infection prevention and control and protection of healthcare workers. And finally, I'll, I'll also point out from the um, you know response part that we have also been working together on provision of oxygen as well as equipment needed to provide oxygen for, for clinical care. So all of those things have been on that first part of the response, which is the containment and the response to saving lives um, in, in the real time of resources, resource provision. The other part that we've been working on, as we've talked about, is the research part. And I do want to address very quickly the the issue of, you know, some people thinking of being treated as guinea pigs. I think one of the things that all researchers know is that the people who participate in the trials are truly people that we are indebted to. We do not look at them as guinea pigs at all. In fact, they are the ones that are helping out the world. I also want to point out that a large number of participants for these trials were recruited in other parts of the world, including in the United States. So that debt remains, and that has also been an a very important area of um, our collaboration together, both in the vaccines and hopefully in the therapeutics as well, because it is very important, as was pointed out by one of the individuals who was asking a question about variants, we understand that we must study any treatments, any vaccines globally, so that we can uh, use them globally and that everyone can benefit from them. I have a question for you specifically, Dr. Gray, that's coming from Mr. or Ms. Mabena in the Middleburg area of the Mpumalanga province in the country. First question, what is the RT-PCR test cycle being used in South Africa? Second, why is the test cycle not standard for all countries globally? Well, I think there are a couple of um, um, RT-PCR tests that we are using, um, whether it's in South Africa or at a global level, and um, the different platforms include GeneXpert and um, the Roche, amongst others. And um, and um, uh, I guess in all parts of the world, um, RT-PCR uh, kits will be used depending on availability and 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 local and and local preference. And so the 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 various uh, PCR tests that we will use. At a, at a global level will vary um, and South Africa has used um, so the South African um, the SARPA valid, um, the SARPA together with NHLS and NRCD um, um, ensure that the, the tests that are used in South Africa are, are well validated and, um, are, and are scrutinized to make sure that they are accurate for use in the country and the standardization globally why is well, the I test think, cycle not standard for all countries? Well, I think that you'd have, I'm not a virologist, so you'd have to speak to the people that are that are involved in the standardisation and the um, and uh, the programs. But the, the the WHO and the CDC set standards for for tests which have to be adhered to. Yeah, tests which have to be applicable here in the country, given the fact that those are American institutions. Well, I think we we work at uh, we work at a global level, and we also look at WHO standards. And the NHLS and the NICD work with WHO to ensure that the standards set by WHO 
are adhered to in the country. Very well. Final question. Insofar as it relates to what the ordinary South Africans should take away from this conversation, and that is understanding the collaboration between the U.S. and the Republic of the country, what should that South African take away insofar as it relates to addressing the exchange either of the clinical material and the money, if any, is exchanged, and whether or not what is happening in the United States is mirrored what's happening in the country, vice versa, given the fact that we are using some of the data in South Africa for America and vice versa, and, of course, the clinical, um, the vaccines themselves coming from the United States to the country. Would that be mirroring what is happening in the other country? Well, I think at a global level, collaboration across scientists and across countries is imperative. And South Africa um, has had a long-standing history with working with the NIH, which is in the United States of America, and other and, and European countries as well, to exchange ideas, science, and and to collaborate on clinical trials, be they in HIV, TB, or COVID-19. And so, what's imperative is that is that countries work together to find solutions. And in this case. Uh, the U.S. the U.S. NIH worked together with uh, South African scientists to collaborate on COVID uh, vaccine trials, and maybe in the future on therapeutic trials. And what's important is that um, the collaboration has led to the registration of the COVID vaccine, uh, particularly the J and J one, uh, in South Africa and in other parts of the world. And so this collaboration led to a registration of a vaccine for use in South Africa and for use in the United States of America, which means that both South Africans and American uh, citizens uh, benefited enormously from the collaboration. Final question then to you, Sophia Sadiq. Insofar as it relates to the administrations of 45 and 46 in the United States, I mean, the tones are very different. The approaches are equally just as stark. What might you say, then, is what the world can anticipate from America, both from a global leadership perspective, insofar as it relates to addressing concerns on a mass global scale around COVID-19, but more specifically to the American community. We are sitting at now 165 million vaccines. This is something which probably, even though I make concessions insofar as it relates to to warp speed, the country wasn't really particularly too concerning itself about in the 45th administration. So we, I think, in both administrations have been working hard towards um, a vaccine as well as towards preventive measures. And our public health institutions have really been putting up everything they can to curb the pandemic as we were racing towards, you know, hopefully a vaccine, which we now have. So I will say that, yes, there is a continued desire, as I've mentioned previously, to work through our partnerships both bilaterally as well as through multilateral forums and in particularly through COVAX and WHO to engage globally. And I think that is the message everybody can take, that the United States is uh, ready even as it works to manage the pandemic at home, engage with the global community wholeheartedly to see how we address this together as a global community. Thank you so much then to Dr. Sophia Sadiq, who's the health attaché at the U.S. Embassy, as well as Dr. Glenda Gray, who is the CEO of the South African Medical Research Council. The conversation was USA-RSA COVID-19 vaccine research collaboration. That was the one story on Health on Monday. And very quickly, we have one more after the break all about it.